Welcome to 51 First Dates. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And we are doing an experiment. And talking about dating. And love. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Cheers! Cheers! Hi everybody, I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy, and welcome to 51 First Dates, the podcast where we talk about dating, where we chronicle dates, where we talk about sex too. We talk about all of the things. Welcome. We are so happy to have you back or have you joining us for the first time. It's a Sunday. We are chilling. I'm super caffeinated. Kimmy's not. It's okay. <laughs> I'm, I look like, I don't know, a dinosaur with like bulbous eyes. I'm so like swollen from too much sleep. Oh, sleeping beauty. Whiny, whiny. But this has been a weekend of, you know, full relaxation because 31 year old almost 31 year old (laughs) I'm gonna hold on to it for my last weeks but I can't hang I went out one night this weekend and I'm so sleepy the rest of it it's real oh my god I like I like this is it's my weekend is sadder because I like changed and canceled plans so I wouldn't have to do anything at night so that I could sleep. I literally was like, I can hang out during the day yesterday. I had a dinner Friday, whatever. But like, it's the opposite kind of old sadness where I was planning my weekend around trying to sleep. So here I, we are. Kumbaya. Kumbaya. Welcome to our our pod. It, it's Tuesday, likely in your ears. So hopefully you're all caught up on rest and the week is going okay. Today we have an interview with Jackie Pugh. She's a life coach that focuses on singles and being your best single self. Liza and I are going to chat about settling and vent a little bit about that for the beginning of this because, you know, dating is a battle. We're going to talk about some of the questions you've written into us. We're going to talk about a little sexy time. We're going to talk about, you know, all of the topics that continue to come up because dating is a battlefield. Yes. And I was going to try to think of another lyric from that Love is a Battlefield song, except I actually can't remember any, so never mind. Oh, yeah. Love is a Battlefield. Oh, well, no, it's same, same. Um, Yeah. Uh, But in the meantime, um, let's do a tiny bit of housekeeping. Um, Number one, please follow us at 51 First Dates Pod on Instagram. Email us your worst first date stories, your weird stories, your thoughts, your feels, your opinions, people, uh, guests you want us to have on, all of these things at 51firstdatespod at gmail.com. And please join our secret Facebook group, which is where I think most of the questions we are going to talk about today are from the secret Facebook groups. That's probably the best place for you to like chat with us. Um, You can go on there, post any thoughts or feels. Everyone in there is cool, nice, supportive, and fun and will give you encouragement, advice, whatever you're seeking, and you can tag us in posts and we'll read them and respond, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Please join. It's a blast. One more thing. Kimmy, do you have anything else? I don't know. I was was just thinking about um, how Tyler Cameron and Gigi Hadid broke up, apparently, but, you know, that's a different podcast, really. But I just, I was just thinking about how someone in the secret Facebook group posted a photo of them with Tyler C., the very hot contestant from The Bachelor, who's now just, like, famous for being very attractive, and how our Facebook group is really, you know, you can bring all sorts of topics in there. But then how... Bring it all. You know, it, it seems as though Tyler Cameron, who famously didn't settle on The Bachelorette with Hannah um, and ended up with a supermodel, has also not settled for a supermodel, and she has not settled for a reality star. I don't know how I can incorporate our settling theme in, but I was just He is I was looking for the right that. one. Sometimes Gigi Hadid isn't the right one. Sometimes it's me, you know? Yeah. Hey, Tyler. Me. No. <laughs> Howevs. Uh, one last thing in housekeeping real quick before we went to this. So we are doing our first inaugural 51 First Dates book club. Yes. Um. We are recording on a Sunday, and this episode will come out on a Tuesday. By the time this episode is out, I will have picked a date and made a plan for, like, how it's going to work. I'm thinking it's probably going to be Sunday, October 20th, maybe an Instagram Live where I'm reading out your responses to questions. I'm trying to figure out if there's, like, a way we can all hang out on the internet together with video, blah, blah, blah. Um, So, uh, please, if you are interested, we're reading Spinster by Kate Bollock. 
Um, and please join the secret Facebook group for details if you'd like to join that conversation. Yes, and I haven't even started yet. I'm sorry. I'm back in school. <laughs> Alti, neither have I. However, literally tonight, like my homework tonight is to both figure out the technology aspect of how book club's going to work and start the book. Like I have all night I'm doing. That is my task. And it will be posted in the secret Facebook group and I'll pin it to the top of the page so you can go find out the deets. And since Liza did such a good job of bringing me in from my, you know, slidey chair crush on Tyler C., I just want to do a little more housekeeping. Sorry. I I have been very creative and we decided that October should be ghosting month because, oh my God, ghosts, whatever. I still, I think it's a fun topic. I like to pretend that, you know, being, we have themes and we're organized. So October, we're going to talk about ghosting, what makes ghosting, what doesn't make ghosting, count as ghosting, what, you know, ghosting stories you have. So if you have any ghost-tober stories, send them in, 514statespod at Gmail or a secret Facebook group, but... We're trying to just like dig into this stupid effing word that we all keep using and you know I don't I don't even know if we know what it means anymore to be completely honest. I think that's extremely true. Also in the interview you guys are going to hear with Jackie Pugh, she brought up the term energy vampire and I feel like that should be the sub monster of October because vampires and there's a vampire emoji a ghost emoji guys i'm my head is spinning energy vampire october yes i love it okay so spooky dating is spooky october is yeah. spooky also if anyone else has any um any good like dating related halloween puns please message them to us or put them up in your instagram story and tag us and we'll repost we, we will continue to not be as creative as we want to be and rely on you all for great topics and more. But should we jump into talking about settling? Let's what do, do it. I'm okay. ready. Liza, just as a, <laughs> a very contrived question to start our segue, what is the last thing you settled for? Just generally, I'm trying to think of what I last settled for. Like it could be a food item. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I've been settling – I'm I'm the the current job I'm at that I've been at for the past like seven or eight months is wrapping up and I've been there super late nights almost every night and I feel like I've been settling in every respect in my life for like really unhealthy shitty dinners for like five or six hours of sleep a night for a filthy apartment like I feel like settling for me right now is not having the energy to extend to like keeping my life in order Mm -hmm. um and i think it is similar to when i've settled in the past for dating yeah that's i mean i think that's very fair i'm trying to think of what i have last settled for i would argue that my breakfast this morning (laughs) was a settle it wasn't a breakfast I had cold coffee that was left over from yesterday that was not in the fridge, just in our coffee pot because I Uh couldn't get myself. But then, oh, this is very dark. So maybe we have to cut this out. But last night in my day of laziness, I postmated one cup of frozen yogurt, peanut butter, with chocolate sprinkles from this place called The Big Chill that's not far from my house. I could have driven to. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But they brought the sprinkles on the side. So there's a big cup of chocolate sprinkles. And this morning I just put a spoon in it and ate a spoonful of chocolate sprinkles. And I am a gross human, but I feel like I'm just really settling in terms of like, can't make myself an egg. So that that was a dark moment. I think that sounds honestly like, (laughs) I wish I had a cup of sprinkles in my kitchen right now. I would cut this recording off and go fucking numb on that. That sounds delicious. I love eating and sprinkles but like they How don't I'm, even taste like chocolate they taste like plastic like i don't they know it's like sugar that's yeah. the best it's like so good but they're it's like crunchy sugar i mean what's better than that crunchy i'm, a, I'm a, like a sweet tooth monster so um but no i mean i think i think that like the the parallel to draw here is i feel like settling is the thing that happens in dating when you are too tired or can't summon the energy within yourself to do something better you know like I agree it's funny this is like settling adjacent but there was a I forgot if I reposted this on the Instagram but I should have the the cut like they do do those Instagram quotes with or Instagram posts with cool quotes whoa yes I can speak (laughs) those those crunchy sugars really got me going uh 
it said I I the article that goes along with it is great too but you don't have to love yourself before anyone someone else can that's bullshit but you do probably have to admit be able to admit what you really feel at your core because otherwise the person you're with won't really feel free to do the same and I feel like and then this this woman is 43 and dating a man 10 years younger the article's on the cut check it out but it just made me think about the timelines and blah 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 and love yourself or you we talk about this a lot with Jackie later in the episode. You got to like be on board with yourself or at least know yourself. I like that quote because it's like you just got to know what you're looking for. Otherwise, it's probably going to feel like you're settling. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's tricky. I think that it can be really, really hard to know when you are settling. You know what I mean? Like I feel oh, like yeah. we've all seen friends settle or date someone who like doesn't treat them the best or isn't giving them what they want and need. And it's really easy to identify from the outside, I think. Like mm-hmm. I've seen people where I'm just like, why are you in this relationship? It doesn't really seem to make you happy or give you what you need. And it's easy to identify that. But I do feel like for me, like when I've had relationships and moments where I've been settling or like basically, yeah, like accepting a different treatment than I the less I, accepting treatment that is not doesn't fulfill my needs. Mm-hmm. Um, I it, I shouldn't say that. I, not getting what I need, like not getting everything I need from a relationship, and that is really hard to identify, and usually takes months or years. I yes, I've like witnessed this in a close friend, you know, who thought maybe she was settling and ended up breaking up with a partner, but then getting back together when she like kind of looked at what she needed and wanted again and wanted to be back in it, which is from an outside perspective, like as a friend, I'm going to be like, no, no, don't you, you came to this realization about not being treated the way you should, but jumping back in, you know, but again, I'm not that person. So I feel like we all settle in different ways as well and for different reasons and Maybe, you know, what I would consider settling for my good friend is not what they would consider settling. And I'm not in it. So that's yeah. me being very diplomatic. But my thought is kind of just in early dates, it's easy to settle that pattern. It's really t- easy to extend into later dates, into relationships, into, sad to say it, engagements. I feel like we all have some knowledge of some family member or someone who were like, really? Her? Like from Arrest Development. <laughs> like, her? Yeah. Egg? 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 So um, what yeah. do we do as people like when we when we feel like we identify that when do we this is this is a question I don't have an answer to I'm just posing it very philosophically lol that's a joke mm-hmm. um uh when ha, if if you can identify this do you try to change the relish or do you like you know how hard do you fight and we talk about this a little bit with Jackie too but like how hard do you like can you make someone fulfill your needs or is it a lost cause and do you go out and seek for something that does fulfill your needs I feel like the first thing I want to do if someone was like Kimmy I think you're settling I would like want to go to my therapist and be like try to find the why of like why I'm staying in my relationship or why I'm going on dates with people who aren't necessarily you know and yeah Maybe if that why is like, because I just, I'm getting old and I need to be in something. Maybe then I like look a little deeper into what I'm, I could be settling around. Yeah. I don't know. Ooh, it's you know, it's a fun, a fun exercise that <laughs> this is so dumb where this comes from. It's not dumb, but I'm obsessed with um the life-changing magic of tidying up, not the ne- Netflix show. I actually did not think the Netflix show was an accurate representation of the book which i'm obsessed with i did my whole apartment and i'm a crazy person and all of my drawers are arranged like bento boxes it's crazy that's but i love it so much amazing. that's it not settling you are not settling if you dude, have bento box well, i was settling for being a borderline hoarder for like six years and then when jeff when we jeff and i decided like he was going to move into my apartment and you know in like six months i was like i need to handle this now because there's no room for another person there's no room for whatever so i did this whole system it's incredible. But in the beginning of doing this system of organizing, she has you write down, like, why do you want to get organized? And you write down why. And then she tells you to keep asking yourself, like, literally physically write it down because it forces you to kind of engage with it, but to keep writing down why. So, like, 
why do you want to get your home organized? Because I want it to to be less stressful. Why? Mm -hmm. Because I want my life to like, I want to have more calm in my life. Why? Because I don't feel it now. Why? Because there's so much shit everywhere. Why? Because I have a hard time getting rid of things. Why? Because I put a lot of emotions, like just write it down and just keep asking yourself why. Like I, I do that sometimes now when I'm having issues making decisions or like struggling with like a conflict with a family member or a friend or something like that. Yeah. No, I think that's great advice. I think getting to the why, like why, yeah, if you keep asking yourself why. Yeah. Maybe journaling. I mean, this is a broader topic we can definitely get into. I think we could get into it around ghosting too, whether, you know, your pattern is that you settle for people who ghost you or you ghost people all the time because, you know. Yeah. For whatever reason from your life. Totally. Oh my gosh, at some point this month, I had a weird – like I, I had definitely suppressed this memory, like not really, not in a, in a way, whatever, but I had uh, probably selectively forgotten this. I realized I like ferociously ghosted someone a couple years ago in a way that was kind of not cool. And I feel like in upcoming Ghosttober episode, episodes, I think I should tell that story because I feel uh, like yeah. we talk a lot of shit about people ghosting and I realized like I did it really, really hard in a way that was not cool. I love um, that fucking honesty there. Yeah. Okay, I bet so, I've ghosted pretty badly as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was gross. Yeah. I was not the nicest, Um, but I was going through some shit, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, do we want to do a, a quick like listener question before we jump into our interview with Jackie? Yeah. Let's do a quick sexy time corner. Ooh. Sexy time corner. Um, There's a listener question about sexy time in the – I'll stop saying sexy time. I'm sorry. In the group uh, that I think is also – I don't know. Interesting when you're talking about settling in relationships and like sex. That's a that chemistry is a huge part of it too. So, SOS, I'm currently in a bit of a pickle. I've been dating a guy I met on Hinge and we both gotten intimate in the past two dates, both nights and several rounds. He's not able to last long and that is without penetration. Worst part is that he doesn't seem to be embarrassed by his performance and doesn't feel the need to make sure my needs are met. Clearly they aren't since it lasts all of two minutes maximum. I honestly don't know how to approach the situation, but the whole thing has been a massive turnoff. If that's enough um, to end, I am leaning that way. Sorry, if that's enough to end it, I'm leaning that way. Any advice is pr- appreciated. I think this is like, I and I'm sorry that I giggled in it. I don't want to shame any men, but like, it just sounds like he's not listening to her needs. I don't know if she's said her needs, but what do you think, Liza? I mean, that's a really big problem. Yep. I think, I, I think that, look, it all has to be, like, honestly, even like we were talking about a couple minutes ago, I feel like it all has to be measured against how much you like him. And if he's your perfect person, if you're like, I really feel strongly for this guy, he's this, he's that, he's he's what I want, like, he's, you know, emotionally, like, giving me what I need, then I think it's worth, like, conversations. Like, I think it's worth being like, hey, like, I want to have an orgasm too or like (laughs) hey like is there a way we can like try to make you last longer like it's you know a little hard for me to like get fully like sexually engaged you know a have this conversation not in bed and not right after sex because that's like very very vulnerable but i think that the, the decision to have the conversation has to be based on how much you like him i think if you don't think he's like there's a chance that this guy is like your fucking guy i think it's worth ending it because i really think that like that kind of like you can change a sex life like you can work towards a better and like more connected sex life but it's a lot of work and it's very vulnerable and chemistry is really hard to live without Mm-hmm. And I don't love that he's not like self-aware about it and not concerned with your experience. Like I feel like if a guy, you know, has has that like, you know, finishing quickly thing, they got to double up on everything else. Yeah, I feel like that part's the red flag. We talk about red flags later in this episode in our interview, but the red flag is like the physical thing. Like, you know, I almost think it's a deal breaker only because like again, being in chemistry is so important to keep going i feel like this is my first time being in a relationship this long i'm like oh yeah if you don't have sexual chemistry like what the fuck like yes but the the deal breaker breaker part or the part that is like the huge red flag to me is that he doesn't seem to give a fuck and is not i'm sorry like why isn't he just a little bit embarrassed if he's like coming without even going inside of her 
in two minutes. I mean, he's really turned on by you. <laughs> and I don't want to be shamey. And I am being shamey. I'm sorry to all the penises of the world. But like, fuck, man. Like, he should care a little bit. There's something like so selfish about that. I worry about how he'd be in every other realm of dating, especially as things progress. Yeah. Completely agreed. However, you know, if you feel strong feelings or – you know, it could be worth asking him in a non-judgmental way. Maybe he's super embarrassed and mm-hmm. hasn't brought it up or, ha- you know, I, I do want to give him a little bit of benefit of the doubt because it is so, so vulnerable. And I feel like men have so many sexual expectations put on them. Like, true. in a way that it is a way that I think sex is actually harder on men than women. <laughs> like, there's a lot of obviously gender dynamics at play in sex, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that that particular expectation can be so tough and mentally so tough. And, and like, a lot of times men who are really sensitive about that, um, you know, they're, like, really embarrassed. It's tough. Like, so, you know, maybe it's worth one light conversation if you think you really like him. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, I want to give men credit. Just just this morning or last night, I said to date 13, I was like, oh, but sex is always good for men. Like every – and he's like, no, they've had so much bad, awkward sex. Like it's it's a good reminder. Thank you, Liza. Yeah. I love to generalize and be like, well, they could just come in two minutes by rolling around in a bed. But like that's embarrassing in a different way. That's got its own set of struggles. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, let us know what happens. We – appreciate you asking the question i feel like it's relatable and if you have sexy time corner questions we will rename it send them in um if you don't want to post them in the secret facebook group you can email us at 514statespod at gmail but i think it would be fun to kind of dive into that part of dating because it's a fucking part of it you know completely a a literal fucking part of it Ah. and on that note um this is our interview with jackie pew uh Jackie Pew, uh, a life coach. Oh my god! And, wow, I am a thirteen-year-old boy. Karma's coming for me because I was making fun of pre-cum. Okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> so enjoy oh, our okay. interview with uh, Jackie Pew. All right, gems. We are so excited to be joined by our guest, Jackie Pugh. She was so kind to call in from Chicago to be here with us via the internet. She's a life coach with an emphasis on singles, as we mentioned in our intro, but we're just, we're really excited to dig in and ask the tough questions about being single. So thank you, Jackie. Thanks for having me, ladies. Of course. Psyched to have you. Um, we always love talking to people who love talking about dating. <laughs> and talk about it all day, all night, every day. Uh, there it's it is evergreen content, as they say. Um, but before we get into it too much, do you want to share your worst first date story? <laughs> like which one do you want? <laughs> uh actually I don't have tons of horrible first dates, lots of first dates. Um Yes. Okay. This one, so I was living in LA mm. and I was about to move to Denver. So I was like, well, let me make sure that the type of guys that I remember being in Denver actually still live in Denver. And I kept matching with this one specific guy on match.com. But I wasn't, it was like one of those situations where I wasn't sold, you know, it was like maybe, maybe. So we just ended up not meeting up. Well, then I moved to Denver, long story short, for a guy who broke up with me over the phone six days later after <sighs> I got there. <laughs> Awful. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, and so I did what most people do, which is something that I help people not do anymore because it's not healthy. But I was like, screw that. You know, I didn't allow myself to cry or feel any of the feels. I'm like, I'm not going to let this hold me back from finding love. And I was like going on two days, literally. Like I was like, man, had my little jokes. I need a little black book. I have some (laughs) Well, I had just made a post on Facebook about women being nice to guys and turning them down nicely when they ask them out if they're not interested in them. Mm -hmm. And for men to just go and ask, ask a girl out because Best case scenario, you got a hot date. Worst case scenario, you're in the same spot that you were originally. Like, no, nothing to worry about, right? Mm -hmm. So this guy from Match.com found me on Facebook and asked me out again on Facebook. So I was like, I can't say no. I just put up a post about this. (laughs) I'm just going to go. So 
we met for lunch, which by the way, I highly recommend don't ever getting food. Don't ever get food on a first date. Make it like a really quick thing. I walk up and I looked cute. I had like cute little white shorts on, a cute little like off the shoulder shirt. And he starts cracking up laughing at me as I'm walking up. So what? hard to the point where my first words were not hi. They were like, what's wrong? Oh what my God. So funny. Cause it wasn't like, let me chime in and laugh with you. It was like rude, like literally laughing in my face. He's like, nothing, nothing. I was like, the fuck? okay, deep breath. Let's keep going. So then I sat there. It was, I've never, you hear of energy vampires, right? <laughs> this guy literally was like sucking the life out of me while I was sitting there. The most demeaning conversation I've ever had with anybody. I finally like started talking about my dog and I'm like, oh, I love my dog so much. And he's like, yeah, I can tell. I was like, okay. Somehow like improv got brought, brought up. I was, an, I still am an actress too. And he's like, oh yeah, I, I do improv with work. He worked for like Kaiser Permanente or something. And I'm like, I don't even know why you do that there, but okay, whatever. Check came. I just, I, there's something else super that happened. I can't remember, but check came and I immediately threw my card down. Cause I'm a firm believer. If I know I'm not going to see you, I'm not going to allow you to pay for me. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm not going to go out with you again. Yeah. So I'm like, threw my card down. I'm like, we'll just split it. It's totally fine. Got the check. I'm walking in front of him. I'm like, oh my God, I can't wait to get out of here. I can't wait to get out of here. I feel so horrible and disgusting right now. He starts to walk with me toward my car. I'm like, why does he want to walk with me toward my car? It's very clear this man does not like me. Like, just leave me alone. So I give him an awkward hug goodbye. And then I got in my car and I started sobbing. I called my gay best friend and I'm like, I could just feel his negative energy still on me. I can't get it off. A week goes by. And he sends me a message on Facebook saying, I'm going to an improv show. But he didn't ask me necessarily question mark if I wanted to join. So I was like, I'm not ghosting him by not responding. He didn't ask me anything. He just stated something. I'm not responding. Great. A month later, I was working at a restaurant when I first moved there. That's a whole other topic on why. But I was moving at a restaurant or working at a restaurant. I had to be at that. 5.30 in the morning. So it's 5.30 on Sunday. I want to be out like having brunch mimosas with my friends, right? But mm-hmm. I got to suck up and do what I got to do. So I try to wake up with a, a good mindset. I open my phone and there's a message from him on Facebook that says, you're kind of ugly, dot, dot, dot. Jesus. <laughs> what? Oh my, like, oh my God. It's like the, the worst first date that just won't end. <laughs> That's <laughs> awful. <laughs> This is terrifying. Like, truly that kind of level of ickiness, like, uh, and I'm obsessed with, I've never heard the term energy vampire before, but I'm obsessed with it. And podcast listeners, you can now absolutely count on me saying that a million times an episode (laughs) from now until forever. But like that level of like kind of gross, like controlling, like I'm going to make you feel bad so that I don't have to be vulnerable thing is, I hate that people are out there walking around who exist like that. I know. But full story is about nine months later, we have this huge party in Denver called the Denver Derby Party. Everybody gets dressed up to the nines. It's huge hats and it's super fun. So I'm with my girlfriends and I see him for the first time since then. But now I got like my posse with me, you know? <laughs> so I don't know. I walked up to him and I said something like, oh, if it's not Mr. Nice Guy. And he was like, what? And I was like, remember, we went out on a date and then you texted me saying that I was kind of ugly. And as I was saying it, a girl walked up who I had no idea was his girlfriend, soon to be fiance or current fiance, heard what I said, and she was mouth dropped. And I was like, hmm. like, I didn't even feel bad because I felt like, good, you you need to know what kind of man that you're with. And then I felt bad for her. So I'm like, what kind of girl puts up with that kind of behavior, right? So then about a year later, I was dating a guy and he, he ends up telling me in conversation a high school story and drops this guy's name. Um, this guy had a very unique name. And I was like, wait a minute, what does he look like? He describes him. I'm like, oh my God, that's the first worst date guy that I told you about. Like, 
that's the guy. And then he was his friend, which, hello, red flag. But he said that someone gave that guy, I forgot what the name of the book is, but basically it teaches men to be total assholes to women in order for them. Oh, is it the game or what's that book? I forget what it's called, but nobody read it. (laughs) I'm not going to promote it. (laughs) Yeah. It's like what started the the negging. If he did that, that's exactly what he was doing. And it did not work on someone like me. I actually felt bad for him a little bit because I'm like, how are you so miserable inside that you need to treat somebody else like this? Also, like, why yeah. is anyone reading a book like that? Just be nice to people. Like, th- this is the thing that drives me insane. It's like, mm-hmm. you think you need to read a book to teach you to, like, be mean to women, to get them to like you. Like, just be nice to them, listen to them, and treat them like humans, and you will be in the top, like, 5% of men. And you like, will, it- but, I mean, okay, you ladies, I don't know, if the, your audience knows your age. Do they know your age? Oh, yeah. Okay, so you just mentioned that you're in your 30s. Yep. I'm 35. Oh, my goodness. I would never like guess. In, what's that? Uh, you look great. I would never guess. Oh, I thought you were younger than us. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm actually 2015 in my mind. That's the key. You're not in your 30s. You're 20-something. I dated guys that treated me like crap all the time. And I feel like when we're in our 20s, it's because, and I think this is where the saying of nice guys finish last come from, is... I had this like aha moment and you can tell me if you feel it's in alignment with you. But I'm like, why, why, why do I keep going back to the guys that like clearly are not all about me? Why do I do this? And I realized that the guy is a jerk in general, but then he does something nice for you. Like every now and then our brains when we're in our 20s are like oh my god that must mean that he must really like me he's not this nice to everybody but then as we start to mature and we grow up we're like actually no that's not cute (laughs) i don't want that anymore Mm -hmm. i've worked on myself i'm moving on but i feel like that typically doesn't happen until you mature you do some work on yourself and you start to hit your 30s and stuff like that yeah and also i think that just people in their 20s are more likely like women men other everything are more likely to be selfish like I think you're in a little bit of survival (laughs) mode like I was so much more of an asshole when I was 24 than I think I am now because I just was trying to figure out how to have dental insurance and afford my (laughs) just I was in like this mode of like figure like it was all I was thinking about was just like figuring out my life and I definitely treated people um, like some people that I dated with less like respect and empathy than I would now and self-awareness mode. So I think that a lot of times, like when everyone's out there dating in their 20s, no one's at their best. People are accepting treatment that's not as good as they deserve. People aren't able to be as like giving and mm-hmm. emotionally intuitive. And like I was, also I was going to therapy on my 20s. I was figuring out a lot of shit that I now apply to my current relationship. Like oh. it's it's I, I think it's hard to like whatever i just want i just want to like in fairness to some of the men's is out there say that like you know it's it's tough to be dating in your 20s i really think childhood extends all the way through your 20s now i'm just thinking back to like you know when you're very young and how high stakes everything feels then i'm talking about like first kiss like when my first kiss got back together with his ex-girlfriend from eighth grade like it was like my nightmare like my whole world was ending And like fast forward to college, high stakes, you know, I think the stakes just as a young person, whether you're a man or a woman, like especially when it comes to vulnerable things like relationships or sort of relationships or liking someone, the stakes feel so much higher, which puts puts an urgency on whatever you're feeling in that moment, which allows you to say all throughout your 20s like me, except like kind of less than treatment from guys because, you know, you wanted to win so badly or you wanted to prove something about yourself. But I do think as you get older – Maybe we all just get a little bit more tired and a little bit lazier. But gen- genuinely, the stakes go down, especially around dating. I I know some people will be like, no, they don't. They go up, especially for women. But So maybe you get more serious about finding someone. But in terms of like every date having an impact on what you feel about yourself, whether you're a man or a woman, like I think everyone starts to be a little bit more mature around dating as you get older. So just like as a hopeful tidbit, I, or at least that's been my experience and I hope. It's our listeners' experience as well. <laughs> uh, I think 
I think there's like a little mix of it. So we were kind of chatting before we started on here. And I dated in LA, I dated in Florida, Arizona, Colorado, Alaska, Chicago, Denver. And I saw dating go from something that was okay to something that many people dread now. And I'm sure you guys have heard of Peter Pan syndrome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for, <laughs> for our listeners, will you give them like a brief rundown in case they haven't heard of it? I mean, it's kind of self-explanatory, okay. but. So Peter Pan syndrome is basically someone who just doesn't want to grow up, mm-hmm. right? They want to go out. They want to have fun. They want to hook up. They might be the person that leads you on, but won't fully commit. It's been six months or a year. Uh, they, they just don't want to put in the energy, the effort, and all they have to do is swipe. And then they can go meet somebody else and go do their thing on the weekends and then have you when it's convenient, right? Yep. I've noticed that that has become an epidemic, not only all over the country, all over the world. Because people write to me and tell me about, you know, no, it's in Australia too. It's in New Zealand too. <laughs> So I can go on and on and on and on and on about this. But in terms of the standards, yes, I think that not just women, there are men too. As you get older, we do feel like you want something a little bit more serious in general, right? Generally speaking. But the bar I've noticed for dating goes has gone down mm. because, because it's become pretty crappy and such Peter Pan syndrome and I'm scared of vulnerability. So I'm just going to have friends who are co-ed groups and they get affection and attention there. And then I can just hook up and that's the only piece that's missing. And then I don't have any kind of commitment. And then it becomes this cycle. Women in particular, I have found are like, Oh my God, I got a date that, that, that they don't care like the caliber of the date because they actually got a real date. They're not holding people up to the standards that they actually want. Or they're like so sick and tired of having crappy dates that they start going around sleeping with people because they're like, well, I at least want to have sex. Like, I guess I'm just going to go have fun. And then the, the we keep allowing the standard for men to keep lowering and lowering mm-hmm. and lowering. But this also happens on the women's side too for some men, right? I'm not just, you know, gender speaking. But that is what I've been seeing has been going on. But the more and more that I look at it deeper and from a professional standpoint, what I'm finding is that it's actually vulnerability. Mental health got brought up earlier. People don't teach us. Teachers don't teach you how to think in school. They teach you what to think. They don't teach us how to think. They don't teach us how to deal with emotions. They don't teach us how what's going on with your parents at home or what Sally said to you is not actually something that defines you. And then you have these things that happen that are traumatic. And then when you get older, those traumas are still in your brain. And mm-hmm. so you just want to run away from them and you're scared of vulnerability. You really want it, but you put this wall up. And so what I have found is, you know what, we can sit there and complain about dating all day long, but realistically, if we want to make a change, we have to do the change. We have to start dealing with our unhealed things. And then this this way, we only allow the highest of standards that we want for our lives into our lives. But typically in what we kind of been discussing is, I don't know if you guys have heard about attachment styles. Of course. Yes. Okay, so typically an anxious attachment style and an avoidant attachment style get together. Mm-hmm. So you got Peter Pan syndrome, and then you got the girl who like, oh my God, I'm a people pleaser. And then they get into this vicious cycle of cat chases dog over and over and over. And most of my clients are people pleasers because the avoidance, the Peter Pans, they're avoiding. They don't want to look inside. And the people pleaser is like, I've done everything I can. I try to get somebody to love me. So, okay, fine. Maybe I need to change me and then I'll find love. So they're the ones that are like finally stepping up and changing the game, which is freaking awesome. <sighs> There's my rant. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's very interesting. I think, you know, you, you're working with, I, I like that you say that, you know, your emphasis is on working with singles. It It's just, it's about the person you are. Like working on dating doesn't have to be about working on this tip or this best dating profile thing or that. It's like working on dating, I think, 
has a lot to do with working on yourself. And for example, for me, that was like going on a bunch of dates and also having a lot of life changes in my own life that allowed me to probably change attachment styles a bit. Um, when I first, when we first started this podcast, my mom had passed away after a very long battle with breast cancer um, that I didn't, I don't know, I think was affecting me in ways that I was very afraid of getting like losing, being vulnerable and then losing someone. And it's just, it's very interesting how even other life factors as a single person are really driving your dating life more than you think. So I like, Jackie, that you're kind of focused on the person. Can you talk about like the biggest challenges I, a lot of your clients feel like they have to overcome or you feel like maybe they have to overcome in terms of, you know, working on themselves first? Yeah, I feel like most of my, and first of all, I'm really sorry to hear about your mom. Oh, thank you. Lots of love about that. Um, I have found that my clients are typically, in an essence, me years ago, Mm -hmm. which is awesome because I've walked in their shoes, right? I was somebody who had barely any self-love, barely any self-worth, value, recovering people pleaser Mm -hmm. and I would stay in relationships with people that I that I also knew deep down were not right for me just because all my value was in somebody else and so most of my clients that is where the space that they're coming from and I find that a lot of people are scared to be alone like like I have literally had clients who are scared to be alone for an hour on a Friday night like they freak out. And by the end of my program, they look forward to their Friday nights. Like they plan Saturday night by themselves too. They learn how to overcome these things. But ultimately where I would say 95% of it stems from is childhood. Mm -hmm. And so because our brains are like sponges between the ages of zero and seven. So whatever happens in that time frame is literally the way that our brain gets programmed on how to process things moving forward. And if you find that at, you know, five years old, something happens at school or with your parents that, oh, as long as I keep doing like the best that I can, the most that I can, as long as I go overboard for this person, I'll get attention or I'll get love. Your brain, oh, your ego, which is your little self, always wants to be right. So it will actually go out into the world and find a partner that matches the traits for your ego to step into. What else can I do for you? What else can I do for you? And then you're like, how am I in this pattern again? Mm-hmm. Why do I keep meeting the same people? Because we get to do the work on ourselves, right? To say, actually, no, I don't need to allow this in my life anymore. I'm the one that's allowing it. Or the vice versa. Like, very occasionally, I'd say, Out of all of my clients, I've had three that they were more avoidant than anxious. And what happens in that situation is same thing when you're little, typically it's, oh, if I love somebody, I'm going to get hurt. Mm -hmm. Or I just saw my mom love my dad and my dad left and now she's hurt, which means that that's going to happen to me. So I'm going to get hurt. So I'm going to put a wall up. And then we bring that all through life. So that's what I help people work through. But yeah, in general, I'd say that's like a huge, a huge, huge thing going on. And if it's some, if you feel one of those ways about yourself, any of the listeners, I want you to know it's okay. It's totally normal. And you can completely overcome it if you want to overcome it. Because that is literally what the majority of the world's population is going through. It doesn't matter where you live. Mm -hmm. Totally. And if you, okay, this is like taking it a step forward. Let's say someone is, has done this work on themselves. You know, someone has like thought about their attachment style, thought about the patterns they see in their romantic relationships and really like made an effort to step past that, to, to tone down like the voice in their head that, that is telling them to do whatever they can for -hmm. someone else, no matter how much of an energy vampire they are. I'm obsessed. I'm going to say that so much. Oh my God. I'm so sorry, everyone. (laughs) I love it. Um, But, uh, do you think that if someone who has really done work on themselves encounters someone who is like starts dating someone who they see and identify as being avoidant, do you think it's it's a situation where that person should 
back away slowly with their hands up and just be like, good luck. Or do you think there is there are ways to help if you're romantically interested in someone to help them come out of their own patterns? Does that make any sense? Yeah. Um, well, one, I'm not a doctor, so I <laughs> want to like put that out there for people listening to not like take my word, you know, as verbatim. This is just my professional opinion in coaching. I mean, I've got a bachelor's degree in theater, so <laughs> everyone, so everyone listening fun. here is rolling sociology, the dice on baby. Yeah, like on professional advice. To so, <laughs> <laughs> um, but my biggest, my biggest question to that person would be: Are you dating them, or are you their coach? My piece of advice would be: I would invite, I would invite you to have an open conversation with the person that you feel that you're dating might be avoidant, have an open conversation with them, see maybe where it stems from, see how much they'll open up to you about it. Offer, you know, to support them and getting help with it or ask how you can support them in the relationship to not feel like that once. Mm. If they, if they don't step up to it and that goes with anything, with any issue, like if you're in a relationship with somebody, personally, I feel something comes up, you talk about it once to get on the same page. Then it's up to that other person to respect your views. It's up to you to respect their views and to take that, you know, positive feedback and do something with it. If not, you're just going to repeat the cycle. So especially in terms of people changing, we can't make somebody change. We can't make anybody do anything. So I think just letting them know that there are options out there. You love them. You're supportive of them. But if they're not willing to take that step, then yeah, personally, I would say as hard as it is, love them from afar. And sometimes by leaving them, I don't want to say leaving, like abandoning, right? But by loving them from afar can make uh, I'm getting tongue tied all of a sudden. Sorry. By loving them from afar allows you to stop enabling their behavior. Because yeah. the longer that you stay with them being avoided, the more that reassures their ego, it's okay to keep acting like this because they're not going anywhere. But when they actually feel the pain of their actions, and if that pain is great enough, they have a choice to go make a change. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's interesting. I think there is like on, you know, speaking about these different attachment styles or trying to break patterns and habits. We had an interesting question come up in our secret Facebook group that I'll read. <clears throat> but just about, you know, when you're so used to a certain kind of behavior and dating or anything romantic and being treated a certain way, it sometimes can be hard to know when to look like what what the opposite of that feels like or what a different kind of person would feel like. So someone wrote in our group, does anybody else get super suspicious when they encounter a great guy and several dates in, they can't find any red flags? I've been on a <laughs> I know. It sounds silly, but I relate to this so much. Yeah, uh, it yeah. says, been on a few dates with someone who's chivalrous, charming, with lots in common, and all I can think of, there's got to be something wrong. I think I'm so used to bad dates, I am unprepared for good ones. I think this is like, I relate to this so much. Um, I also think it's sometimes interesting, you know, I don't know about this person's feeling but I, at least when there weren't any red flags, I was like, oh, well, then I'm not excited by this person or uh, I don't know. So, yeah, yeah no, do you have any thoughts no. on that? Like when you're into it and yeah. you're kind of looking for red flags and you're not seeing any, like any advice on how to – what to do there? Yeah, I would say the, the best piece of advice that I received on this is actually from one of my coaches. Mm -hmm. And she constantly found herself – this is another one. I have lots of clients that have had – been in narcissistic type of relationships or currently are in, and then we help get them out. Mm -hmm. um, but my coach, that was her pattern as well. And she hired a coach and did all this work. And now she just got married to the man of her dreams who treats her like a princess. And the biggest thing that she changed, and I'm fully on board with this, is to, we're going to go back to attach. It's really try as much as we can to not get attached to just observe like enjoy the time that you're spending with this person and it just observe them for the next six months and it sounds like a long time but as you guys talked about on on some of your episodes you know over time 
we might bring our full colors to the table in the beginning, but not everybody does, right? You're always going to step forward with your best foot forward. So my invitation would be to observe them for the next six months. Don't get intimate with them. Like don't sleep with them right away. You want to kiss, whatever. Don't sleep with them right away. Actually see, are their words and are their actions in alignment? Yeah. And if they can keep that up, if it stays in alignment over time, then it's like, okay, okay. Now I'm feeling more secure in this. Now I'm not constantly on alert. Now I'm kind of seeing this actually might be who this person truly is. Yeah. And I think also like no one is perfect, but I do think they're the relationships I've had that have felt good and right. Like the things that other people might see as red flags actually like align with what I'm looking for. You know, like someone's imperfections and your imperfections, I think the right person for you can fit together like a puzzle piece. And Mm -hmm. then it's not imperfections. It's just like, yeah, you know, neuroses that work together. (laughs) Like, and it's, um, yeah, but I, I fully identify with this listener, though, too. I have I have a friend whose new boyfriend I love so much, and I keep being like, "Where? when's the other shoe going to drop? Not really. <laughs> it's the same thing. He's just a lovely, nice guy who's nice to everyone. And I'm like, what's your deal? No, it's it's very hard. I, I completely agree. It's really challenging with, you know, everything we just talked about, the way that things are now, because it's like, mm, I'm used to that other shoe dropping. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> And every, closet, yeah. and everyone says, you know, when it's right, it should feel easy, which is how I felt at the beginning of my current relationship. But, but feeling easy and like you're not, oh, my God, is he going to text me again? What's going to happen? But like it was there was a lack of red flags, but also it was the lack of red flags that used to give me excitement. So it's this weird push and pull. I think being patient is kind of key. Like if nothing's wrong, be patient and keep it going. You don't have to become exclusive. Yeah. But I think for me – yeah, realizing that it didn't have to be an anxiety I didn't have to be an anxiety ball from the very beginning of a relationship was at least for my patterns like not getting caught up in something lusty or like something I wanted to win at or someone who was like these these things on paper that I really just wanted to say I got this guy with this this and this on paper no matter how he treated me which is super silly because yeah, I I I'm more shallow than I realized, but I do think <laughs> You know, a lack of red flags. That's why it's kind of like funny, easy to giggle at. But like I totally relate to it. It's it's weird because usually you see a red flag and that might make you want to like glom on even more. But if you can, I think just be patient with it and try to see it as like, okay, this is something that will develop over time or it won't. Like it could not. But I think that's good advice. And honestly, and I'm sure you guys have learned this along the way. We, we all eventually do, I feel. But whatever is meant to be is going to be. Mm-hmm. So we can either have anxiety about it right now. Like, oh, my God, when's it going to drop? When's it going to drop? Is it going to be the one? Is it not going to be the one? Or we could just let it be because the shoe is going to drop or not drop, whether we're anxious about it or not. Yeah. I think that's like that applies even, yeah, again, once you're in a relationship, people worry about cheating. It's like if someone's going to cheat, they're going to cheat probably either way or or you can't control it right really you can be the best person but you really can't control it like physically unless you're like putting them in a cage and locking them like you can't control <laughs> it so you can't like worrying about it it's just that kind of anxiety isn't worth it or is this person going to break up with me it's like well if it happens it happens it sucks but yeah i think that's a good point too mhm i sell cages too if anybody <laughs> would i'm just kidding <laughs> but Jackie thank you so much for being here with us can you tell everyone where they can find you if they want to reach out or see some of your work etc yeah my Instagram which is Jackie underscore Mm Pugh J-A-C-Q-U-I underscore P-U-G-H or my website Jackie Pugh unzipped.com because it sounds provocative. Really <laughs> Unzipping your soul and your heart. <laughs> Unzipping your heart. I love it. Okay. Well, thank you so much. This was so great. We really appreciate you taking time on a Sunday to um, ah. spill some single wisdom. It's really helpful. Thank you for having me, ladies. Of You're course. both so fun. Everyone, thank you for listening. And as always, go on a date. Go on a date. Go on a date.